Uh, it really is a delight to be with you this morning, to worship with you, and uh, yeah, I've done, I've done probably more travel in the past few months than uh, for most of uh, my uh, last uh, 40 years or so, um, but again, it's a delight to be here in, uh, in Pennsylvania, especially in the beautiful fall, and I appreciate the, the, the invitation to, uh, to bring God's Word before you. Allow me a, a long introduction before we read the, uh, the Scripture passage, though. And let me begin by asking you a question. How are you feeling this morning? When was the last time that you really felt scared? When was the last time you felt genuinely apprehensive? When I asked my colleague at the seminary, who's also a pastor back in Odessa in Ukraine, when I asked him what the churches here should pray for, he said, for God to help the people overcome fear and panic. Last year in Kiev, virtually all the people from our Presbyterian churches were still there on February the 24th when Russia furthered their invasion of Ukraine. U.S. intelligence had predicted that this was going to happen uh, since the previous fall and also said that Russia's plan was to encircle and cut off Kiev, the capital in the north of, of Ukraine. And that's exactly what we saw begin to play out as the Russian troops quickly approached Kiev and began to surround it. The people of Kiev knew from previous experience seeing the southeast of the country having been already occupied that Putin has scarce regard for human life. They knew the torture and other atrocities committed by his troops in eastern Ukraine over the previous eight years of occupation. And they knew that the whole world expected Russia to succeed in carrying out its plan. Fear. All over today, people are going to bed to the sound of air raid sirens warning of incoming missiles. They're hearing missiles or closer to the front, also artillery close to them. It's not the same as in TV. We've all heard, you know, those sirens from the World War II movies. When I was there in May at 4 a.m. in the night, uh, the night before my last day of lecturing, the air raid siren went off, waking me up at 4 a.m. About two minutes later, I heard the faint whoosh of the air defense missiles being released. And then shortly after, not sure exactly how much time um, passed, the most deafening explosion in the sky, which literally made our house shake. When I was there in September, just to give one example of many possible ones, at one point, 10 strategic Russian bombers lifted into the air in Belarus, just to the north of Kiev, and 20 ballistic missiles were fired at close range to Kiev. Our seminary building has often been literally shaken by such uh, air defenses uh, uh, working. Thankfully, their success rate is high, but the, the, the sound is deafening, and the, uh, our colleagues who've even been staying in the basement have, again, literally felt the building shake. We've often had to move down to our basement even during the day uh, when uh, our classes are taking place. 
Out of the thousands of Russian missiles fired at Ukraine, over 70% of them have hit civilian buildings, in many cases, people's homes or apartments. Brothers and sisters and friends, I, I pray that you do not face the same terror as many of your brothers and sisters in the Ukrainian Presbyterian churches right now. But I fully understand that that does not mean that you yourselves do not have anxieties, whatever they may be, and it doesn't make yours any less real. They might be related to your work, to the recent increases in cost of living, and our, as our family have come back each year, we've, we've noticed them perhaps even more than, than most. Or maybe there's a family or relationship situation that worries you. Maybe you're anxious about the whole gender identity agenda that seems to have taken over the education system and almost seems to hold those of us with school-aged children to hostage. Or you may be anxious about other, the other political uncertainties of our time, and of course there are many. There are many things that make us restless or anxious, but brothers, sisters, friends, there's a song that all of us need to hear at times like this, at times of fear and anxiety, a song I believe that brings comfort and assurance because it reminds us who's really in charge at a time when sometimes the news seems to be dominated by the actions of dictators. The song is Psalm 46, which is our sermon passage. As we get ready to read it, let us first turn uh, to God in prayer. Let us bow our heads. Oh, Father God, we thank you that we can gather on this, your day, to read your word with your people. And Father, we don't just gather to read it, but we are invited to come and hear your word proclaimed. Oh, Father, would you, would you speak through your spirit to the heart of each one of us, giving us what we need whether that be rebuke or whether that be comfort and assurance. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Psalm 46, I would ask you to follow along. I'm reading from the ESV. I remind you this is God's holy and inerrant word. God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come. Behold the works of the Lord. Now he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. 
he burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Amen. Thus far the reading of God's holy and inerrant word. I'd encourage you to keep the passage open in front. If you always keep a check on the preacher. And as we look at it, we see that in verses 6 to 11, the context of this psalm seems to refer to war. Although verse 1 simply refers to trouble more generally. Now, few things are more unsettling than war. But potentially, one of them would be this. Imagine if the ground below you began to shake or even collapse, as seems to be what's happening at the beginning of verse 2. Though the earth gives way. Now, I don't live in a place where earthquakes happened, and I've never done so in my life so far. But can you imagine it? The psychological shock. We all know well the phrase, to stand on solid ground. There's danger at sea. Relative danger, maybe, in the, in the air, in an airplane. And then there's some places on Earth, too, we know that are unpredictable. Uh, swamps, quicksands. But generally speaking, what could be safer than when standing on solid ground? We take it for granted all day long, every day. But what if it began to move so violently that you fell down and couldn't stand up again? What if holes began to open up around you and there was nowhere, nowhere safe to run? You would be in panic and you would fear for your life. Or look at verse 3. Though its waters roar and foam. Now we know the sea can be a dangerous place at the best of times. Even when things are calm. A couple of weeks ago, I was at a conference in Myrtle Beach, and even there, as I was, you know, I saw on, on my computer the, the beach advisory warnings come in due to high winds. But if you were in a small boat during a bad storm, as we all know, you would really be in danger. And sometimes the waves are even bigger, aren't they? They can become vertical, as they would if the Mountains literally moved into the heart of the sea. My wife Sarah is from Washington State, and last summer, as we were visiting family and, and churches, we were, we were on the West Coast. We were driving down from a, a church in Vancouver, British Columbia, to McMinnville, Oregon. As we were driving down Route 101 from Seattle to Oregon, I noticed all the tsunami evacuation signs, every, every mile or every two miles or so. Probably some of you remember the news back from uh, 2004, the news of the tsunami, which occurred in the Indian Ocean. The, the waves there apparently were some uh, 30 meters, or let's see, trying to translate that quickly into feet, uh, I think about 100 feet. 
tragically, some 230,000 people lost their lives to that tsunami. The situation described in Psalm 46 is incredibly frightening and dangerous. But then there's also different circumstances later in the psalm, as we've mentioned, just as frightening. And right now, especially, of course, if you're in Ukraine, just or even more relevant. There's no doubt that in the midst of the violence committed against, against them, Ukrainians have found the Psalms to be of special help and relevance in this time of war. Verse 6, war. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. Now there's nothing in this Psalm that helps us tie it to a specific event in the history of Israel. And I think that's no coincidence, that's no accident. Here, I think, is a psalm that was relevant and helpful in various frightening circumstances throughout the life of God's people in Israel. And here's a psalm that is relevant and helpful in various frightening circumstances in the life of God's people today. So doubts that verse 6 is talking about war, then they completely disappear in verse 9, where it says he makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. Verse 6, again, the, the, the nations rage. Remember the raging speech of a dictator on March 21st, just three days before the full-scale invasion of Ukraine last year. The nations rage, the declaration of Russian state media of, quote, the final solution with regard to Ukraine and the stated goal of the destruction of her statehood and eradication of her people. The nation's rage, cities attacked all over that huge country with fighter jets and tanks and missiles. So if the circumstances, the troubles described in the psalm are similar today, of course they're relevant and similar in a, in a different way for you here in Allentown. But again, I want to acknowledge that your anxieties, whatever they are, are also very much real. But if, if, if the reasons for fear are similar today, then what again are the answers? If, if there are, not every psalm provides an answer. But if I told you that God is the answer, I suspect, I strongly suspect that you might smile a little bit to yourselves and, and say, yeah, well, of course. In Sunday school, that's always the right answer. But brothers and sisters and friends, in, in this psalm, I truly believe that it really is em emphasized that God himself, in the most direct way, is the answer for you and for me in the context of tension, of fear, and of danger. In verses 2-3, we look at the natural dangers of an earthquake, perhaps a tsunami, and of the hypothetical situation of, of the mountains falling into the sea. But the psalmist says that in all these circumstances, even if the mountains were to fall into the sea, we will not be afraid. Verse 2, therefore we will not fear. Why? 
Verse 1 tells us, doesn't it? God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. I think it was about mid-January last year when the city administration of Kiev published a map, an electronic map for your smartphone, of the, of the bomb shelters in Kiev. <coughs> Unfortunately, when a BBC correspondent tried to use this map to find them to see if there really was real access to them, the first two that she tried out didn't seem to offer too much hope. The first one that she tried turned out to be a closed door, which was closed at the time and locked. The second one turned out to be in the corner of a building where the the entrance had been hidden and blocked for the past 14 years, according to the owner of the store next door. So it would seem that, unfortunately, not every bomb shelter is a genuine shelter from danger. But imagine, imagine what, what if your shelter was God himself. That's what the psalmist says. Are you anxious? Run to God. Do you need protection? Run to God. Are you in danger? Seek your safety in God himself. But what about the war in the second half of the psalm? The psalmist reminds us that God is in charge. He is the main commander. He is the Lord of hosts, which, as we know, literally means the Lord of armies. So when the nations rage, all he has to do is open his mouth. He utters his voice, and the earth melts. That's why verse 10 reminds us that it is God who stops wars and can destroy the weapons of war. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. We need God, and we need his presence. Look at verses 4 and 5. They give us a view of the future new Jerusalem described at the end of the book of Revelation, where we get to enjoy the, the fullness of God's special presence Everywhere now, not just in the temple or the Holy of Holies. The streams are the streams of the Holy Spirit carrying the presence of God himself throughout the New Jerusalem. Verse 5, God is in the midst of her. God is in the midst of her. And isn't this, in a sense, the very heart of redemption? This path made possible only by Christ, of course. This path of returning into God's presence where after the fall, when man was expelled from Eden, where he'd enjoyed that close presence with God. This, isn't, that, isn't that why this vision of the New Jerusalem we've just read about is so important? Because nothing's more precious than being with God. Jesus is the Savior, an important part, of course, because... He is Emmanuel, God with us. Look at verse 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. Let me say briefly an important truth. But this one, Sam, the Sam does not 
particularly focused on it, but we know that in the context of all Scripture, we know that there is a danger that is much greater than any ballistic missile or any invading army. And that is the eternal danger from the wrath of God for our sin. So the presence of God in Christ is only a blessing for sinners like you and like me. If you've embraced this Christ with faith and been forgiven by God and him. Christ's death on the cross satisfied the wrath of God towards sinners like us who've been saved by grace through faith in Christ. The Lord of hosts is with us. Again, the psalm does not say that God is with the Ukrainian people. He doesn't say that he is with the people of the United States. He is saying that he is with his people, which includes Ukrainians and Russians and Americans. All people who, like Abraham, have believed in God and in the Savior Jesus Christ he has given for sinners like us. But this psalm is relevant for all, I believe, who live in frightening circumstances today, who have anxieties, even in the midst of war. It is God who is in control. Look again at verse 5. We've read, God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. But look at this little phrase that's so easy to pass over. God will help her when morning dawns. What does this mean? Well, I think if I was trying to sell a book or get as many likes on a Facebook post as possible, I might tell you something like, you know, this, this shows that you, you, you need to get up really early every morning, just like all the successful billionaires, you know, Mark Zuckerberg or others, you know, they get up at 5 a.m. to meditate, to plan out the day ahead of them. God will help her when morning dawns. But no, friends, this is, a, this is an interesting verse, but for very different reasons. Let's try and understand them. When does the enemy try to attack you? At the time of greatest surprise, right? In modern times, that's probably during the night. Certainly that was what happened in February the 24th last year when Russia uh, furthered its invasion of Ukraine. But back then, they didn't have night vision goggles. And usually... Experts, commentators, scholars say, usually the time of attack was at first light. Early, early in the morning when, if you're like me, you're probably still asleep. Just light enough to see, but still early enough to be a surprise to the sleeping enemy. But again, even more perhaps interesting is that this, this, this phrase in the Hebrew only, only occurs one other time in the Old Testament. And that's in Exodus 14, verse 27. Let me read that for you. Exodus 14, verse 27. It says, So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. See, brothers and sisters, God helped at the time when the enemy attacked. God helped and the enemy army of Egypt was destroyed. Now, understand me 
correctly here. We do not know the future of the war in Ukraine, but we, we do know that God has been with his people in Ukraine at the time of attack. The God who is a refuge, the God who never changes, the God who is in charge, he is the one to whom Putin and all other worldly leaders must answer. He is our true shelter. Again, he does not promise that the brave Ukrainians on the front fighting the tanks of invader, he does not promise that they will not be killed. But you see, even in physical death, even in physical death, there is no separation for the believer from the presence of God. Quite the contrary. Now, no one wishes death. No one wants to live under fear. No one seeks that. But facing these things and having every human fear, a human reason for fear, we have an answer from God in this song. And how we need the sweet melody of this psalm today. How the folk in Ukraine, of course, need it. And in Kiev, often trapped in bomb shelters or in basements of their apartment buildings with physically nowhere to go, this psalm tells them that they do have somewhere to go. We can run to God or shelter who gives us 100% eternal protection from any danger, even from death itself. Now, what am I talking about more concretely, about running to God? Of course, about running to God in prayer, about crowding the anxieties out of our minds by filling them with the thoughts of the 100% reality of God's presence with us. For every anxious thought that enters our minds, casting our minds more often on the truth that God is our refuge and that God is with us. Brothers and sisters, God is helping. Now the enemy has appeared. What are your anxieties? What are your fears? Brothers, sisters, friends, they are not greater than our triune God. God is our refuge and he is our help. Therefore, we will not fear. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father God, we thank you for this promise, for this assurance. Father, you know how often we seek our safety in other things. We, we are mindless of your promise, of your presence. But Father, we are thankful that it is true that you are with us, that you are a refuge that you are help, therefore we will not fear. Whether it is a strained relationship, whether it is a circumstance at work, whether it is the, the cost of living and not being sure of where, how to cover the bills, whether it is something else, O oh Lord, will we cast our souls upon your promises and your words and remember and be mindful of your presence. We thank you, Father, for this promise that you are our refuge. Therefore, we need not and we will not fear. Amen. Mm -hmm. Praise God.